0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Woody Off The Cuff podcast. I'm really excited to be here with you and yeah, it's going to be a good episode today. I really have been loving making these podcasts because they're so natural and the best content seems to come out of me and then I can actually create other social media content or written content, although I'm trying to write less. But I can make my other content based on this, even though I'm kind of stream of consciousing stream of consciousnessing this podcast. So today's topic is about intrinsic worth. And I think this is going to be a really cool topic for you, something that you really get a ton out of. And for me, it is a logical pillar of everything I do, the idea of intrinsically being good enough or worth it. And yet I am still in the very beginning phase of accepting That I have intrinsic worth. But I'm gonna make a really compelling logical case for why everybody has intrinsic worth. It's going to segue directly into an equally compelling case for why this trauma recovery and healing mindset, as a first priority, is just an amazing way to live life. And I think it's gonna leave you with a lot of hope that you have worth, that you help others, and that you can be of use to others and be. And be that way without having to force yourself into a box or into a certain way of being. So I think it'll be really inspiring. And I'm going to talk a lot about my struggles. I'm going to talk about my eating disorder in this episode. So there's definitely an eating disorder trigger. I'm going to talk about mental health and statistics on suicide, including, you know, teen or young adult suicide. Not Nothing graphic, just the statistics. Um, just a few brief statistics. So just so you know, that's coming. And... I'm also going to quickly recap some of the stuff we talked about last episode and what this season two is all about. So why don't we get into it? I think the best place to start is with a quick recap of something I just spun off the cuff last episode, and I'm like, wow, Woody, you made something really cool. And that is this idea that there's kind of a sequence of events we need to do to escape the rat race. That you know, when I say the rat race, it just essentially means this constant chase for external approval or for something more. You know, at the end of the day, the rat race doesn't mean you have to be a corporate millennial trying to quit your job like I was and, you know, like I am now. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be a specific age or seeking a specific type of career thing. You just, to quit the rat race, that has to mean that you are done thinking that more external stuff is going to solve all your problems. You know, like if I just had more of this or more of that or more approval from others, then my problems would be solved. Then I could finally take a breath. And so, you know, what I teach in my book, uh, help I'm overwhelmed, which again, PSA, I've put that down to 99 cents on Kindle because I just want people to get it. So please go grab it and leave a review um, after you read it. But Anyway, I put in my book, you know, that the best life is a life just happy intrinsically, but that is not easy to find. And I realized there were some steps I took to get towards this direction where I'm starting to get here. And the first step was to admit I needed help and get mental health help and like admit I was basically drowning and overwhelmed and I was stuck in the rat race. So that's number one. Number two, as I covered last time, was to find something that I had confidence in about myself. I didn't get all my self-worth at once, and I still don't have it all, um, although I am making big progress lately. But the second step after getting that initial help in the crisis mode is find something I believe in about myself. For me, it was (laughs) that I learned asking for help was really good, and I really believe in my book, and I really believe that I'm a kind person who wants to help people. And so that was good enough for me. And then the third step for me was to nail down some kind of financial basics so that I knew I wasn't a huge financial drain or that I wasn't going to waste all my money frivolously, you know, because as much as we talk about intrinsic worth, you know, like we do take resources to live on. And so it's important for us to be good custodians of our finances. Doesn't mean we have to earn a ton of money. Doesn't mean we have to earn any money. And it's okay if we have to ask for money, you know. Right now, Preetha still earns the vast majority of our income, right? And my cost of living is probably more than I would make as an individual right now. But because we're part of a team, that's okay. You know, our household is doing well. And so one of the reasons I feel much more comfortable with that situation now is because I have really tightened up my budgeting and my finances to the sense that they just kind of automatically go to a certain level and I know what I can and can't spend. And I realized that I couldn't get control of my money before I had both some peace of mind and mental health and some belief that I was worth something, you know. And so having done these first three steps, the um, the mental health, the belief in something, just one thing about myself, and the financial, I'm now at a place where I can actively seek to simplify my life and remove things that I don't like, because I trust that it's going to be okay. And so this is the stage I'm in now, I'd call it like the fourth stage, which is simplifying, I talked about that last time, the simplification stage. And what I specifically want to talk about today is simplifying what you have to do by knowing that just existing is already a huge positive for the world, so that you don't feel like you have to do any specific thing perfectly. And what I try to do on this podcast is take messages that are said a lot, but which are not super actionable, and I try to make them actionable through set steps. So you've heard this before. I can't be the first person telling you, you're worth it. You're worth it just to exist. You know, just by existing you help the world, you're worth it, you are, you know, wonderful and amazing, and I want you here. People, you know, you may not have heard that much. You may have heard that you're not worth it or that you're bad or stuff. Of course, we all get those messages. But I'm sure there is some self-help thing or some guru or some book or some religious person, spiritual person, teacher, parent, somebody who has said that you're worth it. But it's kind of hard to wrap your head around, you know, this idea that you really are just worth it. You're just good enough um and you just provide value by existing. Because I don't know about you, but for me, lately when I've been sitting still and telling myself I'm worth it just for existing, I feel this immense deep panic. I feel like I'm going to explode, I'm going to die, something bad's going to happen. And I need to go be proving my worth in every second of every day to know that I'm doing a good enough job. So I guess the first check-in is, I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Felt like you had to go prove yourself, prove that you're a certain way, prove that you can do it, and that, you know, you constantly need to be proving it. I thought this, and real quick I'll tell you one fun story that that really helped me this past week. And this is part of the value of life coaching and just having conversations like this in general. I was able to ask for help from a friend to get into this three-day entrepreneurship seminar about a week and a half ago. And I went, and one of the things these people told us in this seminar was, you know, create your dream life where you only have to work the hours that you want to work and you can do other things the rest. And... So I said, I was just like, I'm going to pretend like I'm in a kid in a candy store and I can pick the perfect dream life where I do my entrepreneurship in the exact hours I want. And then I just live my life the rest. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to work 12 hours a week. That's it. These people tell me I can work whatever hours and have enough money. I'm working 12. That's how much I want to work and the rest I want to spend my life. And I noticed something. I noticed that the moment I said that, I did not feel relief. I did not, and remember, they were saying, just dream it, you know, it doesn't have to be tomorrow, it could take you five or ten years to get to this point or more, but just dream like you can have your ideal life, and I said, well, yeah, I don't want to work 40 hours a week, I just want to work 12, you know, Um, and so I said that just for the sake of dreaming, because that's what I thought I would want, and immediately, I did not feel relief, I felt massive panic, massive, massive, massive panic. And because I've been doing so much of this mental health stuff and trauma recovery, and I am pretty in touch with my body, I noticed it, and I thought, wow, there is something to learn here. Because I have just been given my dream life with much less work, and suddenly I'm panicking, and I can't even imagine it. And it was like my body was screaming, no, Woody, we don't want that. We need to be working more. We're not making enough of a difference. And I realized that I've got some kind of pathological need inside of me to be proving myself at all times. Even if you told me those 12 hours were enough to help the world, it wouldn't be enough for me because I'd feel like, oh, I've got to do 24 hours. I could change the world twice as much. I could do 36 hours of work, change the world three times as much, 48, you know, four times as much or exponentially more, maybe 100 times as much. And I realized that for me, the lack of intrinsic self-worth manifests as Wanting to constantly be giving everything I have with the most energy possible to change something for the better. Unfortunately, doing this exercise taught me that there is something really unhealthy going on there because it's never-ending ask for more. And so you may feel this way about work or you may not, but I bet there is something in your life that has the rat race mentality, the hamster wheel mentality, whatever you want to call it. Something where you feel like no matter how much you do it, it's never enough. You have to be doing it more. And that's because we all have so much trauma. We get into this addictive mentality and we associate whatever little addictive thing we're doing with worth, with life and death itself, with existence, with not being valid unless we are constantly striving at this. And the truth is, it's not a result we're looking for. It's that we're addicted to the act of constant striving. I really believe that. If you ask me one fundamental belief I hold now, is that we're all basically addicts. We all get broken by stress as young people, or even as adults through traumatic situations, through everyday situations, through society's messaging. And we become addicted to something, some form of approval or seeking worth or seeking some kind of a hit so that we can feel better. I really believe that. I think we almost all are. Can't speak for you, but I know that I am in that way. I get addicted to behaviors, to things, to even working, or the idea of working. So where am I going with this? Well, it's clear that I have an intrinsic self-worth problem. That's what I realized a week and a half ago. And again, that's why it's so fun podcasting this and bringing it to you all as breaking news. I had already known this, but it became so clear in that moment that someone offered me my dream life, and I wanted to scream and shake and vomit and feel terrible at my dream life because it wasn't meeting the need for the addictive constantly proving myself. And so the answer was pretty clear to me. I got to find a way to trust my own worth, and I've got to trust that as a human being, I am worth it, you know? But here's the problem, right? This is the problem. Is we all hear this, but how do we do it? Like literally, how? Okay? Because you can tell yourself you're worth it and listen to this podcast, tomorrow you're going to wake up and go right back to the same habits most likely. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and go back to the same habits most likely. So, once I realize I'm in this crisis, I asked myself, how do I get out of this? You know, I've got serious problems. And by the way, um Just so you know, for me, it manifests as constantly checking social media statistics, constantly checking my money, checking my Etsy sales for our art shop, checking my emails, constantly wanting someone to like something or approve of something and tell me I'm making a difference and constantly wanting to make more money. And again, it's not even about the result. It's just I need more. And I realized this week I could not break myself out of that. I couldn't break myself out of it. I just kept going back to the addictive habits and the addictive people-pleasing, even this morning, an hour before recording this. But I found a nice way to explain this to myself, and it really makes a lot of sense for me, and so I'm going to explain it to you this way now, and I think this process is really going to help me. doesn't mean I'll be perfect, but it will. And that's because I want to share with you a little bit about my story with my eating disorder because here's where i was 2 years ago it was december of 2020 i was really depressed but the one thing i had been doing in late 2020 was working out and i was working out obsessively and i was so certain right that if i got super ripped and buff i would prove myself to the world and get respect from others and then i would feel better on the inside I really believed that. And I don't just mean I kind of believed it. I mean, like, I was obsessed. All I was doing was working out. I had quit working at my business. I had quit doing anything else. I just worked out three times a week super-duper-duper hard until I could barely stand and then spent the rest of the week sleeping, basically. It was not healthy, you know, PSA. And yet, I'm willing to guess you have behaviors you've done that are similar to this, you know? but I was so obsessed with my body image. Let me pull up, sorry, they might be a little crinkling as I pull up my sheet, but here's where I was at that time. I wrote this down. I did this exercise earlier today, and now I'm sharing it with you. I was obsessed with calorie tracking, like obsessed. I was, I had some app, and everything I ate, I put the exact calories in, the exact item. I was so obsessed with tracking the calories but the funny thing was, I was eating this like really weird dysfunctional low fat diet to seek this validation and feeling like I was doing something. So I was making like breakfasts of like 10 egg whites, but no like god forbid there be an egg yolk. And people would tell me that and I'd be like, "No, I've got to do it this way." And I did that cuz I had zero trust in my own body. And here's where I'm trying to draw the parallel is when it comes to this overall worth Our problem is we don't have trust that we have intrinsic worth. We can't feel it. We're not in touch with it. And so we have to be striving and doing addictive things to prove we're worth it. Now, scaling it down to just my eating disorder, I had zero trust in my own body's ability to regulate and be healthy. I honestly thought that if I just kind of let my body tell me what to do and trusted that it would work out, I would get either horrifically fat, or I would have a heart attack, or, you know, and there's not even anything wrong with being fat, like, whatever weight you are, that's okay. If I had gained weight, and my body wanted to gain some weight, that's cool now, I'm cool with that now. But at the time, I had this misconception somehow that being skinny was good, and being fat was bad, which doesn't make any sense to me now, because it has nothing to do with your human worth, you know? It's just your body and, like, stuff it's doing, right? It's just the shape. But... I was so worried about that at the time, and I thought that fixing my body was going to get me that approval, and I would swing wildly between, you know, like, what was funny is I was tracking all these calories, but I was also binging at the same time. I would work out, and then I would think, oh, I need to eat 3,000 calories today, and I would buy an eating out thing that was really filling and double protein, and it wouldn't even be healthy. I was eating these things that would be too lean and then going and eating things that were way too dense. And I was just a mess. I was pinching myself constantly trying to figure out was my shape decreasing today? Was it different? Is it different? Whatever. And I was just constantly weighing myself, measuring my weight, taking pictures of myself, posting, gosh, I'm so sorry if you saw the pictures I posted on Facebook a couple years ago when I was two years ago sharing on Facebook Live Here's how I lost all this way. Do, 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 do. I mean, I'm just, I'm disgusted by that now. But I also recognize it was a part of my growth and it happened and that's okay, you know? But here's my point, right? Is I was stuck at the same place with my body then that I am currently with my self-worth overall or perhaps with my financial worth. But really, I just mean overall self-worth because I've gotten to a deeper layer. So if you are worried about your self-worth, but thinking, how do I possibly learn to trust my self-worth? What you do is you drill it down to something more specific and learn to trust that. And again, that's kind of part of this step two of finding confidence in something. And so let me just share the good news and the excitement about my body and how I'm getting healthier in my attitude towards my body because it's really amazing Um, I went from being so obsessed with all this. Oh, but first let me share how it ended. So about January through June of 2021, a year and a half ago, I was working out obsessively, I had gotten pretty buff, I had lost weight, I was fitting into smaller pants and clothes. And funnily enough, I was still worried. I had worked out enough that I thought my chest was too big. (laughs) And so I went from wanting muscles to thinking the muscles were too big. And that was my own separate problem. I started worrying about my teeth randomly because, oh, my body was fixed. So now I'm going to worry about my teeth. I was still obsessively working out and wanted more results. So I basically had achieved, quote unquote, the goal of looking different but I was still just as unhappy, if not more so, and I was trapped more in maintenance and fear of losing that. But thankfully, I wasn't given the choice to keep doing that because one day in June of 2021, I had been working myself out so hard that I essentially threw out my back doing back exercises, really injured it, couldn't work out for multiple months. At the same time, I got a hand, foot, and mouth disease from my niece, which is something kids get, but I got it. I had sores all over my feet, hands, and mouth, as they say, and because I'd been not taking care of myself, I got like a fever of 102 degrees, I couldn't eat solid food because my mouth hurt so bad, so instead of making healthy shakes, I decided to binge on Dairy Queen for two weeks straight, and I would literally drive myself to Dairy Queen, get two ice cream cones separately in a cup, like, or one giant blizzard, and eat that, Um And those were my meals for two weeks. Over those two weeks, I lost all the muscles I had gained. I started putting back on, I I was eating Dairy Queen every day. And I was telling myself, but it's only 2,000 calories. I'm just eating one serving of Dairy Queen every day. That's okay. And um, I was doing all this. And somehow I had justification for all of it. But what I found myself is rehabbing a back injury that took over a year to rehab. And still acts up a little bit now if I sit in a certain way. Um, even though it's been a year and a half and I was just, I lost everything that I thought I had gotten and I was in a worse place than when I began. So I hope that illustrates that seeking external validation is a house of cards and it will fall. If you are in this addictive mindset, it will fail, it will break. And maybe if you're not there yet and you're not willing to hear this, I hope this sticks in your mind so that when you're like me and you are at your breaking point and you've just thrown your back out or you've just ruined a relationship or you've just torpedoed a great career opportunity, I hope then you'll remember this episode. But, you know, or you could save yourself the trouble (laughs) and learn from my mistake. That's part of the reason I'm here. Anyway, here's what's cool. I went from that place and what did I do? I used my own method. I asked for help. I joined a group of people who have eating disorders, and they coached me up on how to recover. And funnily enough, their system of a recovery was not a restrictive eating thing. It was just ask for help, get, you know, a dietitian, let them give you some general guidelines, let somebody else prepare some of your food for a while, and let somebody else take care of you, and then slowly, gradually, just recover your sense of eating what's balanced and what tastes right. And... I did not trust this. I was like, I'm going to get fat. Again, not that being fat is a bad thing, but I sure thought it was. You know, I was deep in that addictive mindset. And so I got in this mindset of, oh, I'm going to gain weight or I'm going to die. Like for me, it wasn't just about image. It was like, I'm so afraid that if I don't desperately control my body, my whole life will be ruined. And, and it was a deep physical feeling, which by the way, is what happens when we have trauma we actually get our survival brain clicked to the idea that something that's trivial is actually a matter of life and death. So I'm not exaggerating when I say it felt like life and death. You might not be aware of this yet, but there are probably things that are clicked in your brain from trauma that now feel like life and death, even though they aren't. For me, it was like body weight fluctuation, was life and death. But through getting help from others, letting Pritha and others help prepare my meals for a while, And feeling the panic and sitting with it and sitting through that panic with tons of helpers, support group, therapist, wife, nutritionist, doctor, I needed so much help. But with all that help, I was able to sit through all the panic, rewire my brain a little bit, and learn to naturally check in with my body. And although it took many, it's been a little over a year since I entered treatment for that. I would say I'm like 13 or 14 months into treatment for this specific disorder, Um, and it's been amazing, you know, nowadays a year and change later, I wake up, I've learned what works for me, a way of eating that works for me. I eat this big breakfast that I love. It's delicious. It's also pretty healthy and it's inspired by ideas from my nutritionist. And then I cook lunch and dinner. I can eat out without being totally obsessed with the calories and stuff. And what's most amazing is I'm doing it by feel. And my body feels like it knows what it's doing. I can tell what it doesn't want to eat and what it does. You know, there are certain things that my diet, you know, my, uh, my YouTube videos of these buff fitness guys told me to eat that are just totally wrong for me. For them, waking up and eating 10 egg whites worked for them somehow. Or maybe they just have a disorder too. I don't know. But for me, I wake up and I eat a pretty fat heavy breakfast and it's great. Doesn't mean you have to. Doesn't mean I have to keep doing it. It just, my body feels good. Like for me, avocados feel good, you know? To me, like, here's something. Tortilla chips feel good for me. I don't know how to explain this, but if I were on a diet, I would never let myself eat like tortilla chips. But I love tortilla chips. I eat nachos a lot and it works for me. It's good. Nachos, avocado, chicken, whatever. And so I know I'm going really deep into an eating disorder, but my point is, Now, I just eat what's natural, and guess what? My body is feeling so healthy. I don't even need it to be a specific shape. Now I've got pants in like five different sizes, so I can fluctuate like eight inches in waistline, and whatever I fluctuate to, I'll have some pants for that, you know, which is pretty amazing. And I am so much healthier, and it didn't have anything to do with my weight. I'm just healthy and I feel good and I don't get sick as much and I have more energy and I feel alive and I can self-evidently tell that so much of my life is so much better because guess what? I'm not worrying about food all the time, so I just get to live my life. And that is the result of having intrinsic self-worth is that you get to actually see what it's like to live life. And it is a long process. For me, just the food part was a year journey. But now I'm taking that thing, right? I'm taking that food example, that body image example, and using it for my self-worth. So to me, that's a great way. It, you can't get your whole self-worth back at once. You can't just listen to me and be like, ah, oh, I am now a level 17 monk, and I am going to, you know, be just sit still for four hours a day and have perfect mental health. It doesn't happen. It's physical. It's deeply wired in you, just like a physical disorder. And you've got to work it out slowly over months and years. But if you are having trouble with your overall self-worth, I'd find a manifestation of that that's more specific and ask for tons of help with it. That's what I did for my body. And now because I know that pattern, I've literally written the same thing for my overall self-worth management that got triggered and awakened in me and that I saw for the first time clearly a week and a half ago at that seminar. Because now for the eating stuff, my old habits like disgust me and shock me. I mean, the things I used to do before I was on the low-fat diet, I did a high-fat diet where I ate a stick of butter a day and put butter in my coffee and butter in this, and I thought somehow not eating carbs, I could have as much... Anyway, details aren't important, but what's important is just how insane I was. And I'm now convinced that we are all just as insane, and I definitely am. I can't speak for you, but I am definitely just as insane when it comes to my overall self-worth. I feel like if I am not constantly striving to do something for someone or to better myself so that I'm not a burden to someone, that um, that, every, that I'm going to die, that the world's going to end, that everything is a failure. I can just sense that in my brain. But now I can see those manifestations and ask for help. So let me tell you my plan. And first, I wrote, you know, just like I had written out what the body measurement stuff then and now was like, here's what my worth measurement has been like in the past. I have been obsessed with stat tracking on all my social medias and my emails and my business and the money from it. I have been acting crazy on social media to seek validation, making some good content. I don't want to, you know... Just like exercising isn't bad, I just became a maniac about it, I've been making some nice stuff for social media, but I've been so obsessed with it. Um, most importantly, just like I had zero trust in my own body before, I have had zero trust in my own worth. If I'm sitting still and not doing something to create value, I just feel like I am the worst thing, that I'm dying, and something horrible is going to happen. And I thought that success with these stats, like more followers, more money, more people impacted, more clients, would equal worth and meet this need, i.e. that the external stuff would meet my internal need. I was still obsessed with negative thoughts, and I just like I would uh, exercise wildly and then binge on food wildly, I would wildly swing between working all day every day and giving it up and being like, I'm never working again. I can't do this. I'm not doing anything. I was obsessed with the negative thoughts about my worth, and I was constantly checking my net worth and my sales and my budgets and my everything I could financially, just obsessed with it. And so I became this person who just, before I was body checking 50 times a day and checking my weight and calories 50, 100 times a day, I've become this person who is checking my statistics, my email, my followers, my likes, my this and that, 50, 100 times a day. And that's not an exaggeration. And so here's what I want to be now and what I am moving towards. I want to be someone who is naturally living a healthy and balanced life and trusts it, just like I naturally eat balanced meals that are tasty now. I want to naturally check in and see what feels right in each moment and trust that things are going to work out. I want to never measure my stats, but notice what works and feels good for my life or my business or helping people and just naturally expand it. And I don't want to have to think these stats have any intrinsic value or worth. And I don't want to think that, like, honestly, I've become, and this is why I'm at the point where I can make this episode now, I've started to become disgusted by these habits. Um, Ever since I realized a week and a half ago how obsessive I was, I hadn't been able to stop for the past week and a half, but I had started feeling just disgusted with myself. Like, and, and more importantly, a panic attack. Like I was trying to plan some hashtags to reach new followers. And I just had like a massive panic attack to where my therapist was telling me for the first time in a year, Woody, you need to go get a scented candle and like a lemon and have them on hand so that if we're talking and you like go into a full-on panic, those smells can help bring you back. Because that's how bad I was just last week in my therapy session, even though I've made tons of progress. So, yeah, that's kind of where I am now. But here's the thing I have seen it work with my eating disorder full blown 100%. I do not track or worry about anything with my food personally. And I continue to move towards a healthy direction that's right for me. I feel great in my body. My body feels great. If I'm hungry, I eat more. If I'm not as hungry, I eat less. I eat some dessert, but not always, you know? And sometimes I overeat and sometimes I undereat, but I just balance it back. There is no, like, tracking or measuring. My body just does that because guess what? It's this wonderful thing that knows what it's up to. And so I'm wondering, not wondering, I'm certain of this now mentally, It's just, can I get my body to believe it, that I don't have to measure anything about my productivity or worth to be worth it to others. I can just trust it, the same as I trust my body to be healthy. But I need a lot of help, and so I'm going to be reaching out to my support groups, my therapists, my mentors and sponsors, you know, my business coaches, all these people in my life, and I'm going to be telling them about this plan and asking for their support, because I can't do it alone. So whatever you're doing, you know, you can do it, but you can't do it alone. I really believe that. I can't perfectly speak for your life, but I can know in my life, I can do almost anything, but I can do almost nothing alone. That's why I wrote a book about getting help. That's why I hope you'll check that book out. um, Because that's what matters, you know, is seeking help and getting better. And I just want to leave you on this, okay, this idea that there is an obvious way to know that you have intrinsic worth, okay? This is really simple. And this logic would not land with you if you hadn't just heard all the evidence that your body can adjust and be trustworthy. But from a cognitive perspective, solving this idea of do you have intrinsic worth is so simple. So let me give you the five-minute you know version, and then we'll wrap up. What if you were the only person left on Earth would you be happy if I gave you all the, you could, you're could. you the most important person, you're the only one left, you know? Would you be happy? No. Human beings are biologically made to enjoy each other's company. We are made to be social, you know? It is an undeniable scientific fact. We have mirror neurons that, you know, mimic what other people are doing, and we also co-regulate with each other, which is a scientific term that just means We look to each other to regulate our nervous systems and to feel better. There is a reason why people put in solitary confinement go insane. You know, I remember hearing some story online about how some poker player thought he could live in isolation for 30 days or 90 days or whatever in a room fully dark with no stimulation. And I get that there's different variables there, but with no human contact And he went insane after like 17 days and quit um, and negotiated his release because someone was supposed to pay him based on how long he stayed in there. Um, But the point is, even the most mentally tough people in the world, like a professional poker player, cannot live in complete isolation without going crazy. And that's because just what is the corollary of that? What's the natural conclusion of that? That just by being another human... (laughs) You have worth to somebody else. Yeah, you have needs. You've got a mouth to feed. You've got um, you've got needs financially. You may need shelter and food and stuff. So yeah, you may, you know, need to take something from people. But even if you're not offering anything but a smile or a kind word, you are offering desperately needed regulation that is the bottleneck for human society right now. You think like technology is our bottleneck now? Our technology is killing us, right? We got phones and video games that we're all addicted to. We're all watching little TikToks instead of making deep connections, you know? So it is not technology that is going to save us in the future. It is understanding that we all need each other. And here's the catch, right? You might say, well, not everything about having another human is good, right? Would I wanna be, you know, trapped in a place with just one other person and that person was gonna kill me? No, right? So we know that if someone is a threat to us or someone is dangerous, that we that they could harm us, and so we don't want to be around them. So there is a caveat to this idea that all humans have intrinsic, you know, are intrinsically helpful to others, which is if you're traumatizing other people or harming them. Then there's something going on there. And it's like, well, you know, if I'm a crazy axe murderer, I probably am not intrinsically worth it to be around others. If I'm killing people, you know? And so while most people aren't axe murderers, we all get it in our head that we are some version of that, right? Oh, I am too loud. I am too, what else do I think about myself? I'm too loud. I don't earn enough money, so I'm physically needy. I am, you know, too much for people. I am, you know, like, not using enough of my potential so I don't deserve love. We come up with all these reasons, right? But I think my biggest fear is that if I'm just myself, I'm going to hurt somebody, and thus I will not be worthy of love. Um, You know, I'm worried I'm going to hurt someone. I'm going to hurt Preetha. I'm going to hurt my family. I'm going to hurt people just by existing. And if I'm afraid of that, I can't believe I have intrinsic worth no matter what. But guess what? I have found the solution for that. The truth is, there's a nugget of truth in this, right? I'm not going to lie to you. There's a nugget of truth that if you sense you are hurting people and you're not seeking help for hurting people, then yeah, you do need to be questioning you know, your worth. But there's a, such an easy solution, right? Which is ask for help. It is always okay to ask for help. I believe that the moment you say, hey, I'm willing to get help because I don't want to hurt people. Boom. Everything forgiven, you know. I mean, I'm not judging you either way, even if you are hurting people. And this is mostly a hypothetical. But what I'm saying is for me, let me drill it back to me, right? Because I don't want to make a global statement about you. And I take back that idea that you need to question your worth. You do what you need to do, all right? I won't tell you what to do. But for me, the moment I say I'm going to seek as much help as I can get and heal my trauma so that I stop hurting others out of my inherited trauma that's not even my fault, suddenly I'm allowed to have unconditional intrinsic worth and love because I'm doing the best I can. I know, right? Here's the logic, and this is the logician in me that just wants to beat this into your head. I know that if none of us existed, then nobody would be happy or even alive at all. And I know that if I didn't exist, so many people would be hurt and harmed because I wasn't there to provide them with my natural love, right? Like, if I passed away today, my family would be devastated, my friends would be devastated, my community would be devastated, right? And not because I was doing anything for them, just because they loved me. And so when someone passes away, suddenly for a moment, we lose that crazy, psycho, insane belief that we have to prove our worth, and we just appreciate them for just existing, right? But sadly, so few of us know this. You know, I got a gift yesterday for Christmas that was some pins from Abercrombie and Fitch, like some pride pins, and they were sponsored by the Trevor Project, which is uh, essentially a nonprofit that helps LGBTQ youth. Um, and it said that 42% of LGBTQ plus youth seriously considered committing suicide last year. 42%. That's staggering, right? That is completely staggering, but it's true. And so what I'm trying to get you to see is just that you're not alone if you're struggling. You're not alone, but also we all know, right, that these kids have amazing worth, and we wish they could all know that. But do you know that about yourself? Because you're just the same. You're equally worthy of that worth. There's nothing you can do to make it so you're not worthy of love and belonging. And if there's something you're guilty about, something that you need to make amends for, something that you've messed up in your life, I think... The moment you say, I'm willing to get help, there's no point in blaming yourself anymore. You can let all of that go, and it's not going to go suddenly, but you can cognitively know that you're on the right path. I ask for so much help. I have people I tell all my struggles to. I can honestly say that there's not a secret I have right now that I haven't told to somebody in my mental health support group because it's just so important for me to share. And so I got a little sidetracked there, but the simple logic is... Step one, people have to have other people to survive, right? And just by existing, you have value. And so step two, if you are doing your best and to ask for help with your trauma so that you don't hurt others, then you are immensely worth it and so worthy of love. And you're actually worthy of that, even if you're still hurting others. But I'm just saying for you, it's that simple. It's one action. I'm willing to get help. I wish, you know, my heart hurts Because I just wish everybody in the world would say that sentence. I'm willing to get help. Because once you say that, I'm open to getting help, the world just opens up. It's so amazing. It's so inspiring. It is beautiful and incredible and awesome. And so I hope you'll consider getting help today, whatever form you need. You know, I do some one-on-one coaching. Email me if you want to sign up with me or go to my website. It has my email link. I have the book. um, And I have free resources in the podcast link. And, yeah, I've got content. But... I just hope you'll reach out for help today. I hope that this is both a story that inspires you and shows you the path and a logical proof that you have worth because humans need other humans. And the only thing you can do, the only thing you can control is your willingness to get help so that you can be better. Um, That's what I do. That's how I'm going to keep proceeding with finding my own self-worth. I'm still in the beginnings of it, but I'm happy to share this experience with you. And with that, um, I think we're done for today. Thanks for showing up. Sending much love and hugs to all you all, and I will talk to you next time.